When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 94, and we are recording on August 15th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Oh, yeah. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Good <laughs> I don't morning. Know. Greetings. I, I did it again. When she <laughs> called me, when I called her to start this recording, I did this whole like salutations thing. It was real weird. I don't know what's happening. I'm expecting much more of it for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Welcome to what, our what's show. Your, what you reading, Amanda? Okay. Well, like a million things. But the thing that I'm super into right now is the Summoner series by Taryn Matharu. Um, so I read the first one in like a day, and that's called The Novice. The Novice? The no- Novice? The Novice. Novice. Thank you. Uh, the second one is The Summoner, and I'm about halfway through that one. So this is like the most mashup-y of fantasy YA mashups. It's like Harry Potter meets Lord of the Rings meets Pokemon. All hey. in, I know it's like, like and so it's about a boy who is like orphaned in a village where there are orcs and elves and all of these sorts of things and then he discovers that he has secret magical powers and has to go off to training at secret magical power training school um, which in this universe is like uh, a military training academy um, and then the Pokemon thing is like the, the magic that they can do is summon what they call demons um, but are basically like w- weird, funny looking Pokemon creatures with weird, funny Pokemon names that, that like they w- work with to accomplish things in the military. So it's like all sorts of stuff is going on, but it's really fun and like intrigue. Um, and I don't read a lot of YA with like dude characters. So that's like a nice new thing for, for me, not for like most of the world. <laughs> if you look at the why the New York Times bestseller list, that's what most people read. But like for me, it's like, oh, look, a dude doing a thing. That's interesting. Um, so I just really like it. It's just like a fun, magic-y thing. I don't know. <laughs> Nice. What about you? <laughs> Those have been on my TBR forever. One oh, they're of these great. Days. Yeah, now they're I, great. Now I know. I'll try to bump them up. Mm-hmm. Um, I am obsessed with the book I am reading right now. It's called Dreadnought by April Daniels, and it is amazing. I was telling Amanda, I was on the train. I started it on a train, like on Amtrak, and I was like sitting there and it like inside the first 50 pages, I was like, I kept like looking up and like looking around being like, I, w- I need to, like, tell somebody <laughs> how good this is, but I'm on a train full of strangers, and they're going to think I'm a crazy person. Excuse me, sir. Do you have like, a minute I to hear the good it. news? You know, the guy not. next to me is, like, reading his paper, and I just want to be like, so did you know? Because <laughs> this book. So what it's about is a kid named Danny who one day is hiding out behind the mall uh, painting his toenails because he is transgender, but he's hiding it from everybody he knows, and then a superhero like dies, literally falls out of the sky next to him, and dies and passes along the superhero mantle. And in the process of getting superpowers, Danny also gets a girl body. 
like finally. So Danny's transition happens in an instant and now she can be like the girl that she's always known she is. Um, but obviously life is very complicated because her parents are not on board. Her father is emotionally abusive. Her best friend like does not take this well. And in the meantime, the like council of the local council of superheroes are kind of being jerks. So like there's a lot of stuff going on. And it's amazing. And I think it, it's reminding me a little bit of that same, that first sort of couple issues of Miss Marvel where you meet a teenager who has normal teenager problems um, and, and like is trying to deal with them in various ways, like the not fitting in and trying to be the person that you feel you are, but not knowing how to express that. Um, and then you get a superpower and suddenly like, you can be something that you never thought you would be able to be, but also your problems are still your problems. And, and like, they t can take on new sort of manifestations with the advent of superpowers. And it's just, oh, it's so good. The, I'm so delighted that the second book is out already because, so this, this one came out, I think, early last year, or no, January. But the second one came out in July, and I'm just like, I need it immediately. As soon <laughs> as I'm done with this, I'm going to need to read the next one. So that's Dreadnought by April Day Nils, and it is an own voices book which is always lovely. All right, so before we get into today's questions, I will tell you a little bit about the show. This is a reading recommendation show, which means you send us questions about what you should read next or what your book club should pick next or what you should get for your graduating nephew for, uh, for his gift or really whatever. Um, and we will find some books that we think are what you are looking for. We also will occasionally send email responses if you have a super time sensitive question and we think we're not going to get to it in, on the air in time or if it's something that we've covered, although we I think we've worked through most of those at this point. Uh, if you do have a time-sensitive question, please make sure to note it uh, very prominently when you send it in. And you can send it in either via email, getbooked at bookriot.com, or in the form that's at the bottom of every show notes page on the website. And I think that is all of that stuff. Yes. So, but we've just recently added a new feedback section. Uh, some of you have been kind enough to offer your own suggestions to our askers, and we are going to have some of those from time to time. So Amanda, what do we got for feedback this week? Okay. So this is from a commenter on this site whose name is Quailing, or not name, but you know, user handle or whatever. Um, and so the recommendations that we got here are for Garrett, who in the last episode, these are all for the people from the last episode, who asked for books with Muslim protagonists. We have The Secret Son by Leila Lalami and Native Believer by Ali Ateraz. Um, and for Christiana, who is the uh, listener who was like in a book rut, the recommendations are Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo, which I second, and The Gollum and the Genie by Helen Wecker. Helene, sorry, Wecker. Um, and for Sammy, who wanted the scary horror that was American Horror Story-ish, as opposed to like gory, scary but realistic, um, the recommendations are The Girl Next Door by Jack Ketchum and Haunted by Chuck Palahniuk. Don't hear a lot of Chuck Palahniuk on this show. So there no. you go. Yeah. Very nice. So thank you so much for sending us your additional recommendations for the feedback feedback section um and any of you out there who hear a question and want to offer additional suggestions for the person you can send those to us and we will talk about them on the show all right so our first question is from patricia so i'll read that and the man 
will tell us about our first sponsor and away we will go. Uh, Patricia says, we are a group of girlfriends from high school, 28 years out, and we're getting together in the fall for a reunion, something we've been doing every two years. We'd like to read a book in advance to discuss. Maybe it will be the beginning of a long-distance book club that meets in person every two years. What recommendations do you have? I'm thinking themes relating to family, friends, women's issue, current issues, dot, dot, dot. Thanks so much. All right. Our first sponsor is Penguin Random House Audio. Um, And the theme that they're focusing on right now is parenting and traveling with your kids and helping your kids learn to love to read over the summer. Um, So I don't know if you know this. I did not know this. But 85% of what we learn, we learn by hearing it audibly as opposed to reading it or feeling tactile learning or whatever. Um, so you can listen to audiobooks with your children and keep their reading skills sharp for the upcoming school year, which is advancing quickly. <laughs> I just got my kids like school supply list in the middle of the <laughs> <laughs> um, So if you still have traveling to do with your family, if you're going on like a final uh, blowout last summer vacation, you can go to tryaudiobooks.com slash family travel for suggested listens that are family friendly. So that will interest both the adults and the children in the car. And you can get a free audiobook download of My Father's Dragon. While you're on the site, you can poke around uh, in the family travel section. And they also have uh, a bunch of articles that you might find particularly helpful, like road trip listening suggestions beyond the free download that you can get. Um, Summer road trip planning tips, interviews with authors uh, who have written books about raising uh, kids, um, audiobooks, uh, why audiobooks are particularly a great thing to listen to or to do to keep the family entertained while you're traveling. So lots of helpful stuff there on the site. So again, go to tryaudiobooks.com backslash family travel and get your free download. Thanks for sponsoring the show. All right, I'm just going to keep going. Okay, so the first book that I thought of um, for this was The Mothers by Britt Bennett. And that's what I went with because it is about family, friends, women's issues, and current issues all in one thing. So it just rings all of those bells. Um, and this is one of my favorite books of last year. So it takes place in Southern California and is focused on a, uh, a black community, specifically um, the members of a black church. And so the main character's name is Nadia. And this is kind of a, com- not kind of, it's a coming of age novel about Nadia. You meet her when she's 17 and you follow her through her adulthood. Um, and when you meet her, she is having a rebellious phase. She's having a really hard time. Her mother has just committed suicide. So she's facing not just her grief from that, but also having to deal with her father, who's you know grieving in his own ways, and also the judgment or whatever, maybe perceived judgment from her church because her mother killed herself. And you know, a lot of Christian circles view that some kind of way. Um, so while she's like dealing with all of this, she hooks up with Luke Shepard, who is a former football star from her high school. He's now 21 and is waiting tables um, because of an injury that's prevented him from going off to play college ball. So they hook up. It turns out he is her pastor's son. So things are complicated. And then she gets pregnant. Um, She hides all of this from her best friend, Aubrey. And then the three of them have to deal with the subsequent cover-up of Nadia's pregnancy, the choices that that she makes to terminate the pregnancy, and then how all of that follows them, all of these secrets and feelings and decisions that they made follow the three of them into their adulthood. So it is, I mean, obviously about women's issues and current issues um, and family. So like, the two of them keep this secret from all of the people who are most important to them. Um, and then that, you know, obviously affects how they like interact, how like how Nadia interacts with her dad and how Luke interacts with his parents because of their role in it. And the novel is told from um, alternating perspectives from the different uh, characters, but also from 
the like the titular mothers are the older women in the church who act as this like Greek chorus, which I just love. I love how this is done. Um, that like narrate Nadia's life as it because you know like these are the women who are you know ignored. Older women are ignored in all sorts of communities, but they're also the ones who support the communities, and so they're always there. They're like dropping off casseroles and praying for you when you forget that they exist, and like showing up at your house to help you do things while you're like you know huddled up in grief in your room. Um, so it's just about all. All of the themes that you're looking for and it's so well written um, and we'll give you guys a lot of t- a lot of stuff to talk about so that's the mothers by Britt Bennett I picked all grown up by Jamie Attenberg who disclosure is a friend but I think this book is an awesome book to do with a group of women because you are not all gonna agree about the main character so it's about a woman named Andrea who is in her late 30s and she is single and she's child free And society feels some kind of way about that. Um, And she is subjected to a lot of the things that a lot of us who are single and child-free are subjected to, including, like, people sending you books every time there's a book about, like, being single by choice or asking you when you're going to settle down or what it is that you want to do with your life. And um, she's also sort of adrift career-wise. Like, she has a job and she's good at it, but she doesn't super care about it. And things around her are, you know, everybody around her has sort of a different adulthood path than her. Um, Her brother is married and they are having, they have a child who has some serious health issues. She, her best friend is getting married. Um, Her, she has a friend who's just like doing sort of the dude thing, dude artist life and, you know, the choices that he is making. Um, And so it's very, it's very much about the way that women are judged by, you know, both themselves and the people around them when they don't make like the sort of classic traditional settle down with a partner, start a family choice, especially when you're in your late 30s, which is like everybody's got a ticking clock for you. Mm. <laughs> so, so, and Andrea is not quote unquote likable in, in like the standard ways. Like she's not particularly nice. She has a lot of opinions. She drinks a lot. She sleeps around. Like I think she's amazing and I find her great to read about, but she's not always kind. She doesn't make good choices a lot of the time. Like People have really strong reactions to Andrea. So the thing that I think is interesting about this book from a book group perspective is that when I've been talking about it with different people, everybody sort of picks out different sections that really focused that they really focused on and they're not always the same sections that anybody else focused on and some people love Andrea and some people hate her and some people are like why would she do that and other people are like oh I totally identify with her and it's a really it's a it's a book that produces a really interesting range of reactions and readers um and I think it's super well written it's got a cool structure like I it's it ticks all of the boxes for me and I've definitely been recommending it to people. Um, and so I think, yeah, like a, you don't get that many books, especially about 30 plus characters. So that's also a nice thing, a nice change of pace. So there's a lot there's a lot going on here. There will be plenty to discuss. And I think the thing that always makes book group the best is when people disagree and you probably like unless you are all basically the same person, which could be, (laughs) Um, you will probably have a range of opinions about this book, which is always the most fun. So that's All Grown Up by Jamie Attenberg. 
Okay, question two is from Julie, who says, My first grade daughter is a precocious reader and is currently reading at about a middle school level. Do you have book recommendations for her that are more advanced reading, but not advanced topics? She's already read all the Little House on the Prairie books, the Penderwicks, the Mysterious Benedict Society, Roald Dahl, and a bunch of others. I'm really looking for a new series or newer books, since she's read most of the books I read as a child. Okay, um, I went with, is this newer? Yes, okay, I went with Esperanza Rising, uh, which is by Pam Munoz Ryan, uh, which came out in 2000, so it was probably recent enough that you missed it when you were a kid. Um, I picked this one because it kind of straddles the line between middle grade and YA. The main character is 12 when the book opens, well, 13. It's, it opens like the day before her birthday, so whatever. She's like 12, 13, um, which is right for like an advanced young reader, I think a good uh, age to read about. So uh, it takes place in the 30s in Mexico. It opens in Mexico. Uh, And Esperanza is the daughter of a wealthy landowner who dies unexpectedly within like the, in like the first chapter. This is not a spoiler. Um, And so her family, through a series of events that happens after her, the death of her father, uh, finds themselves penniless. She's with her mother and a couple of family servants who have served their family since Esperanza was born and before that. Um, And they all flee. They have to flee. They flee to California um, during the Great Depression um, and settle in a camp for Mexican farm workers. And Esperanza, who is, of course, used to um, wealth and having servants and material comforts, finds herself with none of those things in deep financial hardship, having to do really difficult manual labor um, and face the kind of prejudice that she would face in California in 1930s, especially during the Great Depression when, you know, uh, competition for jobs, especially in California, was particularly tough. So it's not advanced. I mean, it's um, it's not about any advanced topics that I think a a, a young reader would find uh, too over their head or maybe too hard to read. Like it's not violent, it's not sexual or graphic or anything like that. But it is about like real struggles and very much in the vein of Little House on the Prairie, where it's like a, you know a young girl uh, experiencing physical hardship in like a rural setting, um, without, it, without technological advancements or, or money or material comforts often facing hunger, um, that sort of stuff. So she did like the little house books. Then I think this is a good reader, like at a slightly, not slightly at a, at a higher, um, reading level. So that's Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz Ryan. I picked the uh, Frazzled series by Bookie Vivat, which starts with the first one, Frazzled Everyday Disasters and Impending Doom. (laughs) As you might be able to tell from the title, the main character, Abby Wu, is very dramatic. Um, She is about to start middle school, and she is just kind of always freaking out about something. She's very frazzled, as you might guess, Um, and it's things like, you know, her family doesn't get her, or the lunch ladies at school won't, like, they're always running out of the things she wants, and, you know, some people, like, have a thing, like, a thing that they're good at, and, like, what is her thing, but also she's just kind of, like, she's very dramatic about all life all the time, Um, and it's very funny and entertaining, and it's also an illustrated series. The author has also illustrated it, so there are, like, doodles, and it's really creative and and really fun. Um, Yeah, I I just think it's so fun. 
fun. It's totally content appropriate. Um, I mean, the main character is in middle school, obviously, so it's not the same age as your daughter. But like, if she's reading at that level anyway. Like, I think she'll find a lot to enjoy here. They're definitely a little bit like, you know, she's read uh, the Mysterious Benedict Society, which are long and like very texty. Um, this is definitely more along the lines of like the Wimpy Kid series, for example, where there's you know fewer words and more illustrations. But I still think that the voice is kind of what you're looking for. And it's just so fun. Um, and if she likes it, there's more. The second one is coming out in September. So that's fun, too. And um, and I think that, you know, books like this that are a combination of illustrations and words can be really inspiring for kids who often are good doodlers. But like, you know, at some point we feel like we have to be really good at it or we stop. And I think these are the kind of books that encourage kids to like, you know, take their own creative inspiration and 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 do things with them so <clears throat> excuse me so that's the frazzled series by bookie vivat um knowing how quickly kids go through books at that age i also wanted to give you two honorable mentions uh one is the princess academy series by shannon hale and then another thing to keep an eye out on is rick riordan who is the author of percy jackson he has a new imprint coming out with a lot of books for middle grade students that have you know good plots and and diverse characters and diverse authors so we'll leave a link to that in the show notes for you so Yes, hopefully, hopefully that keeps your daughter busy for a little bit of time. <laughs> All right, so our next question is from Margaret, who says, Recently I read Rebecca, and it is now one of my favorite novels. This is the second book I've read based on Jane Eyre, the other one being White Sargasso Sea, another favorite of mine. Then recently Jen recommended Longbourn, and I started reading that. Now I want to read other books based off of classics. I tried looking into it a bit, but all I really found were Pride and Prejudice continuations that quite honestly didn't look like they were very well written. Any suggestions? All right, I'll stop talking now for a minute. <laughs> okay, I went with Home Fire by Camila Shamsi, which is... Uh, I'm in the, I'm in the middle of I am currently reading it right now and it's super well written but also was just uh, long listed for the Man Booker so if you don't you know you don't have to take my word for it to Lavar Burton you right now the Man Booker <laughs> judges also really liked it um, so this is a retelling of the Sophocles the Sophoclidian Sophocles the Antigone it's a retelling of Antigone <laughs> by Sophocles uh, very loosely so if you're familiar uh, with the story of Antigone and you're going and like, expecting it to open with you know, her, a, a woman like mourning over a dead body. That's not it. it it's it's very loosely based, but is based on on Antigone. So uh, it's modern day. Uh, it takes place in both London. Well, it takes place in a lot of places, but mostly mostly London and uh, the U.S. Um, it's about a woman named Isma who has spent most of her young adulthood raising her twin brother and sister in their house in London. Um, and then Isma gets an unexpected kind of invitation to do some really great, uh, it's a great opportunity to do some studying in grad school in America. And so she decides to go off and, and do that. Uh, and as the book continues, uh, she has a, she meets a man named Iman. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Who turns out to be the son of a very powerful political figure back in London who has made life very hard for Isma and her family. Um, and so the two of them have kind of like a romance, but the thing that's happening and you discover this pretty quickly early, early on in the book is that, um, Isma's father, her mother is dead, I think. And Isma's father died in Guantanamo or died, uh, on the way to being transported to Guantanamo because he was a jihadi and, uh, was convicted of being a terrorist basically. And so she, 
has to manage that and then also watch her brother kind of start to become radicalized and and um, maybe follow in her father's footsteps a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, that's what happens. And that's as much as I could tell you so far because I'm only halfway through it, but I'm really, <laughs> really loving it. And uh, the thing about Antigone um, that I think is most applicable here is, you know, Antigone is a play about when laws clash with morality, like something being the law does not always mean that it's right. And that is very much what this book is about. And I'm just really loving it. And I hope it gets shortlisted. Yay. So that's Home Fire by Camila Shamsi. I also picked a modern retelling just because I Longbourn is like one of the two, you know, classically inclined retellings that I've read. Um, so and you already read that. So uh, I picked Rejane by Patricia Park, which is a about a young half Korean, half American orphan um, living in Queens, modern day who is, you know, working in her uncle's grocery store. They're very strict. Um, she's trying to observe the traditional principles of um, Korean life. But she she's, like, very, you know, feeling like Jane in the original, like, very repressed and very, you know, just sort of, like, oppressed and closeted by this life. So she decides to become the au pair for a family in Brooklyn who are English professors and have an adopted Chinese daughter. And they are living a very sort of classically Brooklyn life, like they shop at the food co-op and everything's about novels and literature. And the mother is like, you know, lecturing Jane on feminism. And the father is, you know, as you might guess, because this is a Jane Eyre retelling, like very interested in her. Um, and then uh, a family member dies. So she ends up going to Seoul uh, for, you know, family gathering after this death. Um, and so it's about, you know, it's, 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 it is a retelling of Jane Eyre, but it's also very much a about how uh, Jane in this one is trying to connect with her heritage and like where does she fit in the modern world and where does she want to fit? So it's it's a really interesting, I think, twist on uh, a story that we already know and, and bringing it into modern day concerns. So that's Re-Jane by Patricia Park. And our next thing is to tell you about our second sponsor, <laughs> which is The Clockwork Dynasty by Daniel Wilson, whose name you might recognize. He wrote the New York Times bestseller Robopocalypse, which took me like a year to learn how to say. <laughs> And he has a new thriller that weaves a path through history and the present day uh, following a race of human-looking machines that have been hiding among humanity for centuries. Da, da, da. Uh, so part of the novel takes place in a present day with a young anthropologist who is specializing in ancient technology, and she uncovers a very intense secret uh, while she's examining this like 300 year old mechanical doll. Um, and so she suddenly is drawn into this hidden world and she has to ally with a traveler who introduces her to this like reality that she had no idea was true. And then the historical plot line is Russia in 1725 um, and the czar's, you know, mechanic is making him like basically toys, right? Like, let's be real. And in the process invents or creates these two very human-like mechanical beings named Peter and Elena, who are a brother and a sister. And they have all kinds of intense mechanical powers and are, you know, basically created to serve an empire. 
And they are struggling to blend into pre-Victorian society, and then they are pulled into this, you know, secret world that is the through line for both timelines. So it is about... Boy, it's about a lot of things. <laughs> it's about um, what it means to be human and what it means to be a person. It's about robotics. It's about history. It's about contemporary times, all kinds of stuff. And Wilson has a robotics and science background, so he is very in touch with all of the technology of the novels that he writes. So this is definitely something to uh, pick up if you enjoy uh books that include both history and the present day, if you like steampunk kind of things and mechanical stuff and robots and all of that good stuff, you should definitely check it out. So that's The Clockwork Dynasty by Daniel Wilson. All right. Our next question comes from Crystal, who says, okay, ladies, it's happened. I've caught the Hamilton hype and nothing else matters anymore. I'm ready. I'm already listening to the Cherno bio on audio and loving it, but I just need more. Any suggestions for worthy biographies on prominent American figures? I'm particularly interested in presidential biographies or biographies of noteworthy women during the period. Okay. So I went with John Adams by David McCullough, which is my favorite book about the, the revolutionary period. Um, and I picked this because... Hamilton's nemesis was arguably Thomas Jefferson, but it was also largely John Adams. Like, the two of them hated each other with the passion of a thousand fiery sons. And Hamilton, the musical, presents the figure of Hamilton as kind of this heroic um, guy fighting against, you know, the slave owners of the South and all that, and that is true. But he was also kind of a jerk. And, And in reality, Hamilton did a lot of questionable political things. So it presents him in a very positive light, the musical does, but, you know, this is kind of the other side. So um, David McCullough is a great writer of narrative history. He's engaging and entertaining. He tells the story of John Adams' life from beginning to end, and it it feels like such a soap opera because it kind of was a soap opera, uh, which is so funny to me that, like, people who had no internet or television or ability to call or text message could have this, like, huge amounts of drama in their interpersonal relationships. Um, but the, the book also does focus largely on Abigail, his wife, who played a huge, huge role in his um, decision-making as a politician and a thinker. Um, so you're getting a lot of the, you know, the noteworthy women stuff of the period also. Um, so it's super long. I listened to it on audio, and I, I want to say it was like 40 hours. And it took me an entire summer, but I really, really enjoyed the experience. Uh, and you'll learn a lot about uh, the other, you know, the, I mean, obviously, the people, you know, the other co-revolutionaries, uh, Thomas Jefferson, Hamilton a bit, a lot about Washington. Um, and as a bonus, I'm dropping a link in the show notes to a YouTube video of a song from the musical Hamilton about John Adams that got cut uh, from the show. So it's not in the show, but it's a song basically about how much Hamilton and hated John Adams. So if you want uh, to go check that out, it's really funny. It's like a minute and a half, but I really like it. So that's John Adams by David McCullough. I, this is where I confess that I don't read biographies. I just cannot. I I can't. It's really hard for me to do. Um, But once upon a time, I read a Sarah Vowell book and I really liked it. And as I was poking around trying to figure out what to recommend for this question, I discovered that she wrote a book about Lafayette uh, called Lafayette in the Somewhat United States. And so I thought that might be an entertaining sort of side note for you to complement your Hamilton and, you know, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams adventures. Uh, So this is about, let's see, 
he, he, so he's part of the Revolutionary War. He's a hero. And then he comes back in 1824. And he is sort of, like, trying to negotiate what his new role is in this new, that's basically new country. Um, Congress is fighting about slavery and, and the Civil War is looming and, like, where does he fit into that? Um, and Sarah Vell is really funny and very smart. Um, her books have, like, a really strong voice to them, which definitely, for me, especially for biographies, like, I'll read a history book, but biographies somehow I have a harder time with. But she's, she's very good about um, bringing in some humor and highlighting, you know, the weird parts that you might otherwise miss. And yeah, I feel like this will be a good a good compliment to your to your Hamilton obsession. Also, I love the cover of this book. It's like a little staged battle with like little figurines. It's so good. Um, I just adore it. Yeah, it's very good. So that's Lafayette in the Somewhat United States by Sarah Vell. All right, our next question is from Slivia, who says, or that could be Sylvia, and it's just mistyped, but I don't want to assume anything. So, um, so this I question, copied and pasted it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, and so let's see. So the question is: I'm in the middle of getting my master's degree in classics, and between all the ancient Greek and dead white philosophers, I just don't have the headspace to read as much as I usually do, or even read the kind of books I usually read. Some of my favorite books are the Song of Ice and Fire series, The Secret History, which may or may not have made me want to become a classics major and thus sealed my fate and slow descent into insanity, Uh, Frankenstein and The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm open to any genre as long as it's well written. I just need something that I can read for a little bit at night and clear my mind. All right, I'm just going to keep talking. I picked the Infomacra series by Malka Ann Older for you. The second book is going to be out in, is it September, October? Yes, mid-September. So the second one is coming soon, so I'm not giving you a series that where you have to wait a long time for after the first book. And the reason I'm picking it is it's a little more science fiction-y, um, although you did say The Hitchhiker's Guide and Frankenstein, uh, and it, it, it takes place in a near future where there's a very different system of government. It's like micro-government. So people are organized into sentinels, which are groups of 100,000 people, and you can pick like from this, you know, sort of menu of uh, of different governments and it will apply in your sentinel. And so people are living side by side, but maybe with completely different governments, like three straight streets over. And there's this organization called Information that is sort of in charge of, you know, calling the elections and making sure that people have the actual facts about what parties are doing and what politicians' histories are and, you know, making sure that misinformation doesn't get in there. And the book traces three different people through an election period. Um, So one of them is like, you know, he works for the party and he's a campaigner. Um, Another guy is just like thinks the whole system is rigged and stupid and wants none of it to happen. And then there's Mishima, who is uh, works for the information and is like a an operative, <laughs> like she does like black ops for this you know sort of Google slash Facebook esque company. Um, and the reason I think it would be good for you in particular is because it's very episodic. The narrative switches from one character to the next in short chapters, so it would definitely lend itself to like reading a little bit and then putting it down for the night. And I just found it super fun. It was very action oriented. There's a lot of great action scenes. 
means. It's also very interesting to think about like what that would look like. Um, and Older does a really great job of, of building out her world and, and giving characters who you definitely are compelled by, even though you're not going to agree with all of them and their actions. So that's the Infomocracy. Well, excuse me, this series is called The Sentinel Cycle. Um, and the first book is called Infomocracy by Malka Ann Older. Okay, I went with The Quick by Lauren Owen because uh, it's just weird and fun and page-turnery and a little bit creepy and kind of gothic. So it takes place in London in the Victorian period, and you think that the main character is going to be James, who's like this very emo, is like the only <laughs> like word I can think of, uh, this very emo poet from Oxford who has come down to London and is, uh, you know, like rooming with a young aristocrat who is very charming and kind of the opposite. You know, James is like shy and retiring and has a lot of feelings. And um, this guy that he rooms with is like open and fun and let's do a thing. And you think for the first like quarter of the book that you're reading about the two of them and their relationship and what their relationship might evolve into and whatnot and what have you. But then James disappears one night um, without a trace. And so then you are... Uh, moved to the point of view of Charlotte, who's his sister, who lives out on their, like, crumbling, dilapidated country estate. And she realizes that he's gone, so she comes to London to try to find him. And then the rest of the book is just this adventure of her finding all these very odd secondary characters, like street urchins who may or may not be serial killers, somebody called Dr. Knife who's, like, kidnapping people off the street and doing weird experiments on them. Um, she meets, like, a tightrope walker who turns out to be, like, a vampire killer. Yes, there are vampires. There are a lot of vampires. So it's just, like, a roller coaster. You think you're reading one type of book, and then you're reading a different type of book, and then you're reading a different type of book. Um, and, of course, the whole time you're trying to figure out what happened to James and, like, who's going to save James um, and who's going to end up being a vampire and what is happening. And it's just fun. I just liked it. So there that is. It's very page turnery. And I think that if you're in any kind of reading sub where what you've been reading is just bogging you down and making you feel like heavy and bored, then something that you can flip through really fast, it's suspenseful um, and kind of otherworldly is the best bet. So that's The Quick by Lauren Owen. Okay, question six is from Lois, who says, For some reason, I seem to really love books that take place in small towns. I think it's because I enjoy when the location in a book becomes something like a living and breathing character, and as biased as this may sound, I like exploring the closed-mindedness and hatred that often manifests in small towns where everything is the same and everyone knows each other. Do you guys know of any books that explore these kinds of themes and where the location is very much a character in the novel? Okay, I'm going to keep going. Um, trigger warning for transphobia in this one. My pick is If I Was Your Girl by Meredith Russo, which is a YA novel about a trans girl named Amanda who is has moved when the book opens to Lambertville, Tennessee to live with her father. Um, her home with her mother, her mother is fine, but like she had a lot of not great experiences in her old town. During her transition, she got bullied a lot. Um, and so now she has come to Lambertville to live with her father and kind of trying to, you know, just start over. So she wants to do the kind of things that teenage girls do, make friends, fit in, get good grades, whatever. Um, and she's keeping this secret. So she's not telling anybody about her previous life. Um, and then she meets a boy named Grant and they become friends and then maybe they become more than friends. And Amanda has to decide if she wants to tell Grant about her previous life and all of these secrets that she's keeping. Um, and of course she's terrified rightly of what will happen if she does that. Um, and I say rightly because in Lambertville, Tennessee, which is kind of a stand in for a lot of small towns and sometimes larger towns, uh, being trans is a 
you know, a road to being bullied and being harassed. Um, so is she going to keep the secret? Is it going to get out anyway? I mean, this is social media and teenagers can do a lot of digging into your, uh, like they're just so good at it, <laughs> digging into your profiles and finding, finding out whatever they want to find out about you if you've put it on social media at all. Um, so the town of Lambertville, I like how she, how, how Meredith portrays this little town because it, it, it has a lot of the kind of tropiness of small town USA, especially small town Southern uh, USA, but she, she humanizes it very well. I think like these are human beings who were raised to think a certain way and need to meet uh, other human beings to kind of um, combat a little bit of the prejudice that they're raised with, you know, in their good old Baptist church. Uh, So that's If I Was Your Girl by Meredith Rousseau. I am giving you one from my own TBR. Uh, I haven't started it yet, but I'm super excited about it because uh, Langston Hughes, who's the author, I think is best known as a poet, but he also wrote novels, including this one, which is a sort of based on his own life a bit. Um, and it is about a African-American family in small town, Kansas in the 1930s. Uh, the main character, Sandy Rogers is growing up coming of age and he is living with three generations, I want to say of his, um, female relatives. So his mom, his mother's mother, grandmother, and, um, his, uh, is there an aunt? Anyway, <laughs> there's a bunch of women in his life, none of whom agree about, yes, aunts, uh, like about the right way to be a person. <laughs> like his grandmother is very religious and very hardworking. And then his mother is kind of just like always waiting for her his father to come home because his father travels a lot. Um, and, you know, some people are like more on the wild side and some people are like, no, you have to be respectable. And, and there's a lot of different, you know, family dynamics. And then also because it is small town Kansas and they are a black family, you are going to have to deal with race as well. So it's uh, it's definitely one of those books that is about how geography shapes your family, but also how family shapes the person that you become. So it's uh, it's definitely along the lines of what you're looking for. I'm super excited to read it, and that's not without laughter by Langston Hughes. Okay, next question is from Joan. Who says, help, 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 my whole life I've been trying to convince my mother to read, but she's always told me she's not interested. She endlessly makes fun of my quote-unquote snooty literature. I I read mainly classic literature and a lot of ancient philosophy, and she says books are boring. I gave up trying to convince her to read, but a few days ago she told me she'd be interested in reading some thing. The only problem is I don't know what she'll like. We have such different tastes, and I know she'd hate all of my favorite books. She watches a lot of reality TV, like The Housewives of Some Rich Neighborhood or whatever, (laughs) and and The Kardashians. Is there a book equivalent to trashy reality TV? She also really likes shows such as Grey's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives, and Revenge, so I think she'd like a book that's over-the-top like a soap opera. Please help. Amanda, what you got? I have The Nest by Cynthia Dupree Sweeney, which is... The trashiest of dishy, gossipy, reality TV, rich people problems books, and I loved it. So I think that your mother will enjoy it. Uh, It's about the Plum family, and there are three, four, four siblings in the Plum family. They are all adults and have uh, made, you know, their own lives, um, married, have their own kids, whatever. And uh, they live in New York. They have all made some questionable financial life choices. They're still pretty wealthy, but they've all made questionable financial choices because their father 
left them a joint trust fund that they're calling the Nest, which they are just a few months away from finally getting paid out. It was supposed to be like a midlife kind of bump for the kids to maybe use to help put their own kids through college or to pay off their mortgages or whatever. Um, but with the bubble of the stock market, the siblings have watched as like their, as the nest value has gone way, way, way up. Um, so as opposed to being a midlife bump, it's going to be like a very tidy sum that they're all going to inherit in a couple of months. But then the oldest brother, Leo, uh, gets out of rehab. Um, and he was in rehab because a few months before that at a wedding, he got behind the wheel of a car drunk with a 19-year-old waitress, crashed it, and really injured that girl. So he's facing a lot of legal trouble. And their mother wants to empty the nest and use all of those funds to get him out of their fix. So all of the other siblings are, of course, horrified because Leo's idiotic choices got him in this position in the first place, and why should they have to pay for it, literally and figuratively? But also, they're all deeply in debt and... Um, have a lot of financial problems of their own that they were depending on this to get them out of. So um, it's very dish- dishy and like backstabby. And it reminded me a lot of the Kardashians when I read it. They're not quite that rich, but you know, I mean, there are shades of, of wealth, but they are definitely um, of the kind of, of wealthy where it's like, is that's not. Your problems are kind of silly. Um, so in the same way that you can watch The Real Housewives of Wherever and be like, this is just goofy. I think that that, you shall get the same sort of um, schadenfreude from it as you would from watching that kind of reality television. So that's The Nest by Cynthia Dupree Sweeney. Did I say that right? Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude? That's right. Sure. Sounds right to me. Um, <laughs> I took this to the contributors because I was having trouble thinking of something. And Jamie Canavis, who writes our mystery thriller newsletter, uh, we were talking about like what is Shonda Rhimes in book form, basically. Um, since you mentioned Grey's Anatomy and then also Revenge, which is kind of like you know murdery and and fun. Um, and so I have a murdery book for her. Uh, it is Blood Defense by Marcia Clark who is the same Marsha Clark that was the O.J. Simpson trial prosecutor. She is writing a series of mysteries. Um, And the main character, Samantha Brinkman, is an L.A. criminal defense attorney. I wonder who that's based on. Um, And she is kind of trying to make a name for herself. And she lands this very high-profile double murder case. Uh, One of the victims is a TV star, and the defendant is an LAPD detective. So it's the kind of case that's going to attract a ton of TV and turn into just a circus. Um, And so Sam takes the case, and she is trying to make sure that she has all the evidence necessary to clear the detective of any wrongdoing, but then a secret, of course, shatters, you know, her case and her personal world, and she has to uh, react accordingly. So it's the first in a series that Jamie is really into. She says it's kind of like how to get away with murder in book form, uh, which sounds great, honestly. (laughs) And the first one, as I said, is Blood Defense, and it's the Samantha Brinkman series by Marsha Clark. And that's our show. Hey-o. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you get a chance, please do leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people to find the show, and we love to see your feedback. Thank you so much to today's sponsors. You can find us on social media sometimes. Um, I am on Tumblr mostly these days. It's jenirl.tumblr.com, and that's Jen with two N's. 
Uh, I'm on Instagram mostly at I'm Amanda Nelson. That's also my Twitter handle. I've been yelling about Nazis a lot recently, so I am on Twitter for today. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.